0: Uh, If you would, church, take your copy of God's Word or grab a Bible in front of you or get it on an app, just however you can, so you can follow along with us to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And our passage today is from Colossians chapter 1 Colossians chapter 1 we are looking verse by verse through the book of Colossians in a in a series of Christ in us a, a book that highlights the importance of our being in Christ and what it means that that Jesus is in us, that our foundation, that our identity is found in Jesus. Not only that we believe in Jesus for salvation, but what it means to understand that how that changes our life. What importance does it make and mean to us that we are in Christ? And today we come to a passage that is powerful. We come to a passage that is one of the most powerful, uh, explicit passages of the power and the authority and, and just brings you in awe of who Jesus is. One of the most powerful passages in in all of Scripture about this. And so today I hope that we will see Jesus. We will see Him for who He is. And as we begin, I want to ask you a question, and that is, what do you think about Jesus? What, What do you think about Him? When you think of Jesus, what is it that comes to mind? And there's lots of different answers that you may have What you think about this reveals a tremendous amount about your life. It reveals a tremendous amount about your priorities. It reveals a tremendous amount about the life to come as well. How do you feel about Jesus? What do you think about Him? I think probably most Americans today, most in in our culture, in our community, as I've spoken to them, would would probably echo from the uh, 1972 Doobie Brothers song, Jesus is just all right with me and some of you know that and some of you are looking at me funny but that's kind of the idea is is he's all right I I I, I've always kind of been fascinated by that song because the question with the song is should we should we take it as is Jesus is just all right man he's good with me or should we take it as Jesus he's just all right And uh, I read an, uh, an interview from some members of the band, and they were talking about how it came about. And they were sitting around one night, and they were talking about atheism and about Jesus and about spirituality. And they basically just came to the conclusion that believing in Jesus is probably more hopeful than believing in atheism. And so Jesus is just all right. And I think that's probably the sentiment that that most in our culture today would say. There are some who would be adamantly against Jesus, be adamantly against the church, but most, for the most part, have some kind of an understanding of Jesus. He's, He's all right to go to Easter church. He's all right because I get Christmas presents. He's all right. But, friends, when we read through the New Testament, this idea of a nice, tame, loving, saving Jesus that we can just say he's all right doesn't exist. The Jesus that we read about in the Bible, the the true Jesus, it's impossible to look upon him and think he's just okay. He is to be worshipped. He is to be adored. He is to be served. He is glorious. He is God. When we see him for who he is, we can't say he's just all right. My prayer today as we look at this text is that we would all dip our toes into the deep end of the pool. That we would all begin to contemplate who Jesus is. That we would think about and be reminded of his uniqueness, his authority. That Jesus Christ is incomparably glorious. There is nothing like Him. And this passage that we're looking at today shows that. This passage that we're looking at today shows that everything within our life, everything within creation, everything that exists, exists for and by and through Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Would you look with me at our text? Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. Let me read the text for us. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church, he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Would you pray with me? Father, as we approach Your Word, would You, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear? Father, would You give us minds to absorb the truths that lie before us? Father, would You open our eyes and open our hearts to Jesus? Father, may we see today His power and His beauty and may we leave in awe and wonder and may we leave ready to serve Him. May we make Christ first in our life, for He is first in all things. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. This passage today, as I said, I came here, is one of Paul's most profound and powerful descriptions of who Jesus is. There are uh, so many theories that, that perhaps this was a, a psalm that was sung that, that Paul took and, and defined and, and wrote around Christ because what we see here is Paul is not just logically arguing about Jesus. Paul is worshiping. He is singing. He is, he is showing the greatness. You can, you can feel the excitement as he's writing this, can't you? He is preeminent. He is over all things. He is first. All things, everything, you, it's all about Jesus. What's ironic is this passage that centers on the power and the authority and who Jesus is, is one that has been one of the passages of greatest controversy within the church over the years. This, this passage in verse 15 where it says that he is the firstborn of all creation. There was an early heresy within the church taught by an a, a, a individual named Arius. And Arius taught and argued that Jesus was the highest created being, but that he was a being that was created. He was not God. You know, there's modern day Ariuses called the Jehovah's Witness. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe the same thing. They believe that, that Jesus Christ was not preexistent, but that Jesus Christ was the first created being who we also find in the Bible is Michael the archangel. They believe that Jesus is, is the angel. Does this text say that? Would this text support that? I want you to keep that in mind as we look at it and we think about it and we think of what Paul is saying here. Uh, as, I, as I stated at the very beginning of our message in Colossians, the Colossian church had been influenced by false teachers. Um, it, the commentators refer to it as the Colossian heresy. We don't know exactly what it is. We can find different elements uh, because of the way that Paul addresses things within the church. And so we can find different elements of things that were being taught that weren't right, that Paul writes to correct. And one of them, it seems like, is that there had been this teaching that had come to the church there in Colossae that said that Jesus is not first, the knowledge of Jesus, what Jesus did, the power, the authority of Jesus. He is he's not first. He's not the main thing. That's the impetus for Paul responding that Christ is preeminent. Christ is supreme. Christ is Firstborn. You see, when you look at this language, when you look at the way that Paul talks about it here, what Paul, the thrust of all of this that, that Paul is trying to say is it's all about Jesus. Everything within the universe is all about Jesus. Everything within the church, it's all about Jesus. Everything about redemption, it's all about Jesus. Everything is held together by Him and for Him and through Him. It's all about Jesus. Friends, in your life, Do you have that kind of picture of who Jesus is? Because you can't look at this text and believe it and say it's true and walk away and say, Jesus is just all right. No, it's all about Him. Christ is preeminent. That's kind of a funny word, isn't it? Preeminent. It's a powerful word, though. It's a word that means that, that Jesus is first. Not only is He first... But it has to do with, with authority. So he's most important. It has to do with, with leadership because he is preeminent. We are under him. It places us under him if Jesus is preeminent. A lot of individuals look at this text and say that this phrase, that he is, he is preeminent over all things, that that is the, the key verse for all of Colossians. And I think that there's a good argument to say that it is. That Jesus is supreme would be another way to say it. Paul is writing to say you cannot make Jesus bigger than what He is. The more we think about Him, the more we love Him, the more we worship Him, the more we try to understand who He is, the more that we stick our toes in the deep end of theology when it comes to Christology and understand who Jesus is, you're just going to go deeper and deeper and deeper because He is that great. And to explain that, Paul gives us, we're going to look at this text and see uh, five titles that we could say about Jesus. That it's all about Jesus from from five things that Paul writes. Five titles that we could give to Jesus from this text. The first thing that we could say is that Jesus is God. Now for us, that might not sound shocking. But think for a moment of the impact and the power of that. Jesus is God. Look at what Paul writes. Look at verse 15 here. He says that he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The Greek word here is the word icon. It was a word that was used to talk about the coinage of the day. That the coinage that they used, the coins that they used, had the face of Caesar. On the coins, because Caesar was the the ruler of the empire, of the region. And the common individual could never see the face of Caesar. It was a day before printing and a day before pictures. Very few ever would have seen the actual face, the image of Jesus, but yet everyone carried around on their coinage the icon, the image of Caesar. So if you wanted to know what Caesar looked like, he looked like the coin. Paul says, if you want to know what God looks like, He looks like Jesus. The invisible God, the one who we read throughout the Old Testament, is spirit that cannot be seen. He has made Himself known. He has made Himself revealed. He has shown Himself, and He has shown Himself in Jesus Christ. So much so that when you look to Jesus... You see God. The New Testament talks about this in other places as well. Uh, The Apostle John expresses it like this in John chapter 1 as he opens up that gospel account. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we have saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus told His disciples this. He said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He is the image of God. Hebrews chapter 1 says it like this. He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. Friends, when we think about Jesus, when you think who is He, the Bible is clear that the answer should be He is God. He's not a created being. He's not a lesser being. He's not a lesser figure of the Trinity. It is God. There is unity there, and He is God. He is the exact image, the exact representation that when we think of Jesus, when we see Jesus, when Jesus is speaking, it is God speaking. You can't just say, He's just all right. This means there's no other way to know God than through the person of Jesus Christ. You can't reject Jesus Christ and claim to know God. Does that make sense? You can't reject Jesus. You can't put Jesus at a lower place and say that there's another way to God beside or around without Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There are not many ways to God. There is only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. Because he is God. Any teaching that would seek to make Jesus lesser than God, any teaching that would seek to to say that that Jesus is somehow lower, that he He is less, He is not as important, is a teaching that is against what Jesus says of Himself, what the apostles say, and what all of Scripture testify who Jesus is. Christ alone is preeminent over all the universe. He alone is the image of the invisible God. In Him is the power and the authority that God Himself has. Our response to the question, who is Jesus, should be the exact same as the Apostle Thomas after he sees the holes in Jesus' wrists and he cries out, my Lord and my God. Have you seen that, Jesus? Have you seen Him for who He really is? Has the Spirit revealed this to you to where you see Him and you say, He is God, my Lord and my God? It's all about jesus second title that we could say that jesus has from this passage comes from verses uh, 15 through 17 it is that jesus is the creator and the ruler of all things of all things of all the universe of the the vastness of what the universe is i mean we live in nasa town right we think a lot about space here When you look up the vastness of all that there is, all that the studies that come up and the billions and the trillions, and we're, we're making up numbers because of the vastness of space. We can't comprehend it. Our mind can't fathom it. We can't, we can't put it in there. It's big. All of it is created and sustained by Jesus. It's all created and sustained by Jesus. Look at verses 15 through 17 here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. He is the Creator and He is the Sustainer begin looking at this the, the second part of verse 15 he is the firstborn of all creation as i i said at the beginning uh, the followers of arius in the the early church and and the followers of jehovah's witnesses today interpret this to mean that jesus is the first created being arius is famous for saying that there was a time when he was not jehovah's witnesses say that jesus was the first and 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 greatest created being michael the archangel but they're wrong for several reasons the first of which is just the plain context in which you find this passage for it says that he is the firstborn of all creation and then in verse 16 it says by him all things were created now that seems to that seems to be kind of interesting right He's the firstborn of all creation, but all things were created by him. What's going on? What is the word trying to say here? It goes on, it says, By him, both in heavens and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. The point that Paul is saying, no matter what it is, it's created and it's sustained by Jesus. It's created and it's sustained by Jesus By saying by Him here, it it could be also translated in Him. Meaning that that Christ is the the sphere in which all things exist. All things exist within Him and for Him and, and for Him. You take Him out and it doesn't exist. There's no purpose for existence. Not just for us as individuals, but for all of creation. What a powerful verse this is, isn't it? All things. It's all about Jesus. Through Him. It says that, that through Him. All of it exists through Him. That, that Jesus Christ Himself is the actual agent of God. Creation, and, and we see this in other passages. We read in, in Genesis, and we say, we see that, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and we see this, this action of God Himself. But the, the New Testament in John and Colossians and, and Hebrews and in other passages, it very explicitly says that all things are created through Jesus Christ. And when we establish the first title that Paul gives to Jesus here, that Jesus is God, then it's easy to reconcile. If God is creating, it also means that Jesus is part of what is creating. He is pre-existent. He is not created because he is the creator. I don't know how you could possibly read this passage in its context and read all of it and walk away and say, yes, Jesus is the first and best creation, but he's the creator. It doesn't click. It doesn't make sense. What it's saying by firstborn is it's not saying that Jesus is first created, it's establishing a a position of authority. Within the the Hebrew thought and in the Hebrew mind, the firstborn within the family was the one who had the authority over the family. If you lived in a Jewish family back in the day, the way it was set up is that if you were the second or third child, you didn't get the inheritance. Everything came to the firstborn, and then it was the firstborn's responsibility and place to take care of the family. When it says that Jesus is the firstborn, it's saying that He is first. It's all about Him. He is the one that is in control. It's, it's, it's a title of authority that is given to Him. The, the Bible uses this <clears throat> when it talks about the Messiah. In Psalm 89.27, speaking about the, 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 the Davidic king that will come, the Messiah. He says, I will make him my firstborn, the highest in earth of the kings. Jesus is supreme over everything. It's a, it's a title. Don't get hung up on this, this firstborn. It's a title. It's used again later about Jesus being the firstborn of the resurrection. It is a title that Jesus is the firstborn. Not only did Jesus create everything this passage says, but it says that that everything exists and is sustained by him. Look at verse 17. It says, In him all things hold together. This is very similar to Hebrews chapter 1, where it says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. When we think about Jesus, it's one thing to think about Him as being part of creation, as being the Creator, as being there with God, as the second part of the Trinity being pre-existent, existing before there was a creation, being part of that creative power as God speaks things into being. But it's another thing to realize that Jesus Christ is still the one who upholds all things together. Friends, without the power and the authority of Jesus Christ atoms don't work orbits don't work your life doesn't work nothing works without Jesus upholding it and sustaining it he is everything it's all about Jesus he's the creator and he's the sustainer Paul wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is the center of everything he is the center of everything If he is the center of the universe, he should also be at the center of your life. It's all about Jesus. The the third title that we have that we could give Jesus from this passage, the third title comes from, from verse 18, and that is that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. Look at verse 18. It says, he is also the head of the body to the church. This heresy had arisen. Again, we don't know exactly what it is, but but something had come that had had put Jesus at a lower place, that had elevated teachers, that had elevated other things, and it said that Jesus is not in charge. Paul writes to say, Jesus is the head of the church. He has supreme authority over it. It is His. Just as He created all of... Creation, the church is birthed out of Christ Himself. He is the head. By by speaking of it as the head, it's the the idea is that the head's a pretty important part of your body, right? Okay. You can lose a finger and do okay. You can lose a hand and do okay. You can lose an arm and do okay. You can lose two arms and two legs and you'll do okay. You'll be different. Right? It's just a flesh wound, right? Monty Python. Um you lose your head, you got problems. We would say that the head is the chief part of our bodies, not just the head, but today with what we know about uh, the physiology and biology, the brain. Our brain runs not only our thought, but our brain runs our body in the background. It is is central to everything. If your brain stops working, your heart stops beating. By saying that Jesus Christ is the Head... Of the church, it's saying that all the authority, everything within the church, find itself first and foremost in Jesus. If the church, any church, minimizes Jesus, they minimize the very authority and existence for which they're created for. It's all about Jesus. We can't lift Jesus up high enough in the church. You want to see people changed? Lift up Jesus. You want to see things grow? Lift up Jesus. Jesus. You want to honor God and worship? Lift up Jesus! Churches can be so easily distracted by programs and personalities and and different things that that aren't necessarily bad things, but we can easily minimize Jesus. We can easily minimize His authority. We can easily minimize the things that He has told the church to do and to be about because we're minimizing Him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus. My technical title, I think it is, is senior pastor. I don't feel that senior. I'm not the senior pastor of this church. I'm the associate pastor. Jesus Christ is the senior pastor. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. I get my marching orders. I get the way that I'm going to lead you. Everything that I want to see us do is about what he wants us to do. He's the head. He's the head. It's all about Jesus. Fourth title that we can give about Jesus It also relates to the church is that He is the foundation of the church. He is not only the one who rules and is an authority, but He is the very foundation of the church. By what He has done, He has established the church and He is over the church. Look at verse 18. It says, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will have first place in everything. Speaking of our redemption here in this section, it's saying that, that he is the beginning. It, it points to the fact that he is where the church originates from. The church, the redeemed people of God in the new covenant come from Jesus Christ on the cross, making redemption for us, atoning for our sins, gathering us together, forgiving us and empowering us and, and giving us a mission to be his church. The church didn't come to exist because of apostles or votes or councils. The church came to, be, to exist because Jesus says, I am establishing the church. And He's over it and He empowers it and we are His church. Points here and it says that He is the firstborn of the dead. See, so you have this, this firstborn thing going on again. It's a, it's a title. Jesus is the firstborn as far as a representation of of the resurrection that will come. He is ultimately the firstborn of the dead. Other people in the Bible we read about were resurrected, but then they died again. Jesus was resurrected never to die again and promises that one day, we, if we are in Him, will be resurrected unto eternal life. Friends, tomorrow morning, Yvonne Parker's body will be here. It's tremendously sad. But we have a hope. Tomorrow we'll we'll have a service here and we'll encourage the family. And we'll talk about Jesus. We'll go up to the cemetery and we'll put the, the body in the ground. And we do that not as people with no hope. But we do that as people with a hope to say she will rise again because Jesus rose again. That is the establishment of our hope. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus alone is the foundation of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn of the dead so that... He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Friends, this church is not your church. This church is not my church. This church is not our church. This church is Jesus' church. Did you hear me? It's Jesus' church. He is the one who has... First place, We define what we do at a church because it is founded by Jesus. Jesus gives the church the marching orders by which we encourage and we go and we try to establish everything on. He gives us the great commandment. To love your neighbor, as your, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we try to do that here. We try to model that here. We try to make that the culture here. And then he also gives us the great commission that the church is to go into all the nations, preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And that's the heart. That's the essence of what we're here and and why we're here. And yeah, there's lots of other things that would be neat to do. But Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus sets the tone for what we do. Amen? Okay. It's all about Jesus. Last title we could hear about Jesus from this passage. Jesus is... Jesus is God. He is the creator, the sustainer. He founded the church. He's the head of the church. Jesus is also the redeemer of the church. Look at verses 19 through 20. It says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for in all fullness to dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile all things to Him Himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross through Him, I say whether things on earth or in heaven. There's, there's three things that we can note about this idea that Jesus is the redeemer of the church. The first is that Jesus is the one who is qualified to reconcile all things to himself He He is the one in which it's God's good pleasure. He is the fullness of God. He is the one that is able to. You see, here's the danger. If we make anything about Jesus lesser in the church, we lose his authority and his ability to reconcile us. We don't want to make Jesus smaller. We want to try to make Jesus bigger. Our our job as a church, my job as the pastor, is to, to preach in a way that the words on the page motivate your heart and that the Spirit works with you and that you walk away with eyes wide open and, and a big heart full of love for Jesus because you see how wonderful He is and you want to serve Him and live for Him. And there's no way you can walk away saying, He's just alright. You walk away and say, My Lord and my God! It's all about Jesus. Do you have that kind of passion? Is Jesus first in your life? Because He's first in everything else. Second thing that that we can see from this idea that He is the Redeemer of the church is that Christ is able to reconcile all things because of what He has done. He made peace through His blood on the cross. And Salvation, acknowledging Jesus for who He is, means that we must acknowledge that He is God, He is Savior, and the way by which He has saved us is that He took our sin upon Himself on the cross and He bled, making an atonement for you. Have you trusted in that? Have you understood that? Have you come to where you can repent of your sins? You can thank Jesus for saving you, and you can trust Him and say, I will follow you as my Lord and my God. Third thing that we see here is that Christ is reconciling all things. He is is the Redeemer of the church, and it includes all things on earth and in heaven. And this is an interesting passage because we typically think of salvation and the benefits of Christ and what He has done as only uh, applying to the human realm. Only applying to humanity that Jesus Christ paid the, cross, paid the price for our sin on the cross. And that's true. But we also forget that the creation that we're in, the Bible says, that it suffers. When that fall happened in Genesis chapter 3... When Satan came and he deceived Adam and he deceived Eve, they disobeyed God. Sin came upon man. God not only, the curse of sin not only came upon man, but it came upon all of creation. Read those early chapters of the Bible and see how creation changed. And the promise that God makes, some of you need to listen up right here. The promise that God makes for you in the future is not sitting on the cloud with a halo and a harp, strumming and singing. The ultimate redemption that God is making is that one day Jesus Christ will come victorious and he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. The judgment of sin, the sin of man, will fall upon all the earth and God will again recreate so that what he began and created and said was good and very good will then again exist and be good. There is a new heavens and a new earth and a new creation that's coming. Some of you have a really tiny idea of what heaven's going to be like. The Bible gives us a big picture. The Bible says, no ear has heard yeah, the best thing you've ever heard about heaven. You ain't touched it. No eye has seen. The most, the most wonderful thing that you could see. You know, we read of these beautiful things, streets of gold and, and all these wonderful things that heaven will be like. It says you haven't, you haven't seen it. It says no mind has even imagined. In your greatest thought, in your greatest moment about what heaven will be like, you haven't scratched the surface. God has something wonderful He has redeemed us, and He has not only redeemed us, but He is going to redeem all of creation, heaven and earth. That's what we look forward to in heaven. It's not just about singing. It's about existing in a new creation, the way that God created us and intended for us to be. Do you want to be there? I do. It's all about Jesus. Paul writes here, this is just powerful. I I, I honestly, I feel like I've just scratched this. I could go on and on and on. This text is that deep. It's that powerful. It's that foundational for us. Paul wants every Christian to know, and he wants you to know, and through writing this, that Jesus Christ is first. He is preeminent. He is supreme. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. All of natural creation is about Jesus. All of the sustainment and providence and and everything that happens today and tomorrow and forever is about Jesus holding it together. Everything within the church is about Jesus. It exists for Him and to Him and through Him. He's the head. And your own salvation is founded upon and, 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 and on Jesus and what He has done for you in your place on the cross. Oh, friends, I hope you can't listen to this and walk away and say, Jesus is just All right. Oh, I hope that you see him today for who he is, that the spirit has spoken to you, that your heart has been motivated, that you realize your sinfulness, you realize the, the lacks of passion and the lacks of obedience and the lacks of desire to follow Jesus, and you lay it aside today and you say, today I want to make Jesus Christ first in my life. I want to make Jesus Christ first because you know what? He is first! I want to get on board with the rest of creation and the truth of everything that exists, that He is preeminent. Christ is in all and through all and for all, and everything Christ is the center of, and I want Him to be the center of my life. How do we do that? You know, where is He in your life? Does He have first place? Is He first in your thoughts? Is He first in your words? Is He first in your time and your finances? in the decisions that you make. We all struggle with this, right? We all struggle with, is Jesus first here? Friends, I hope that today the Spirit reveals to you where to make Him first. That it gives you an empowered and a passion to follow Him to serve Him, to love Him, that everything else that sparkles in front of us is much lesser than Jesus. Would you bow your heads? We're going to have an invitation in a moment. And I want to invite you right now, would you respond to this message Perhaps there's a, a response that you have that is just to acknowledge and say, Jesus, you are greatest. You are my Lord and my God. I want to make you first in my life. Maybe today you realize that you've never followed Jesus as your Savior. You have never come to a point where you confess your sins and decide that you want to follow Him, to be His disciple, to be His follower, to make Him first in your life. If the Spirit of God has led you to do that, would you respond to that today? Would you pray to Jesus and say, forgive me for I'm a sinner. I want to follow you. And would you share that with us? You can come forward or you can tell me or you you can say, Pastor, I'd like to talk with you about something and we can talk through what that means. Perhaps today there's an area of obedience in your life that Jesus has not been made first. You know you need to be baptized. You know you need to join this fellowship. You know that there's something you need to do. You need to reconcile a friendship. You need to make it a priority to be a part of church more consistently. Whatever it is that Jesus is saying to you, I need to be first in your life, would you respond to him? Let us not be hearers only, but doers of the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's all about him. Help us now, Lord. Guide us through your Spirit. Give us the courage and the ability to trust in you more today to see Jesus as incomparably glorious and to chase after him. For he is preeminent overall. It is all about Jesus. Be with us now. Lead us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.